President of the United States would have had time to bother with the crazy acting old lady. I figured that dad was right about white people. He would read the paper and say, white people sure do some damn fool things. I thought that the lady named Miss Roosevelt didn't have any roaches in her house because of the president used to live there. Oh, okay, I already read that part about Noxie, but after everybody kept saying it, I sure wanted to see what that cat and find out for myself. I knew I could make him steal something, but I didn't find out on a find out on that visit because I didn't see Noxie. After being in the city for a few days, I started visiting some of the guys from Whitwell, and they started coming around the house. Dad didn't go for the cats coming around. He even told me to tell all them little rogues not to come to the house, but I never said anything to anybody. Mama used to treat all the cats real nice. She liked to get into everybody's business, and most of the cats didn't have home or any relatives. Mama used to be a soft touch for cats who didn't have a mother, and it, even Dad used to feel sorry for guys who didn't have a mother or father. So after a while, I told everybody I brought to the house to say their mother was dead or their father was dead or that everybody they knew was dead. It seemed having dead mothers and fathers made anybody look less like a role to that. For that whole time, I didn't hang out with any of my old running partners. I just went around with cats from Wiltwick. But we did the same thing. We stole things, hitched bus rides, and looked for any kind of trouble to get into. When two weeks home visits was up, I just didn't care too much. Nobody seemed to care. Nobody but Sugar, and she didn't matter much. She said I should have spent more time with her. I told her that the next time I come home, I would spend all my time with her. I don't know why I said that. After saying it, I was kind of sorry I had. I guess I just wanted to tell her something that would stop her from looking so sad. Sugar smiled when I said it. She even looked happy. It made me feel kind of good. When I got on the bus, I kept playing with sugar out the window and when some cats on the back of me started teasing me about how ugly my girl was it didn't seem to matter not even a little bit when the bus started pulling away and sugar was standing on tippy toe for me to kiss her i wanted to but i just couldn't i wanted to real real bad but her buck teeth might have gotten in the way sugar ran beside the bus for a while and her eyes had a kind of begging look in them she stopped at the corner where the bus turned. Her bacon eyes had water in them, and so did mine. One time I came home to go to court when I was about four or five years old. I got hit by a bus on 8th Avenue. Everybody said I kept hollering for my shoe. Even after they got me to the hospital, every time something happened to me, it seemed that I would always lose one shoe. The bus didn't hurt me, but... While I was up at Wilbur, Mama and Dad were trying to get some money from the bus company, so I had to come down from Wiltwick to go to court and see about it. That was the first time I had ever been in court with Dad all the times I went to court for getting into trouble. Mama always went with me. I sure felt funny going to court with Dad. Mama never acted biggity in court, but she would bow her head only so low, but as low as soon as I got up in the morning, I could tell that Dad was going to be a real drag. He got up in his hat and his hand and was bowing his head before we even got out of the house. He kept telling me how to act and what not to say. I pretended I was listening to him real hard, hoping he would feel kind of smart and maybe act, some, act like somebody with some sense when he got in the court. But what I really wanted to tell him was, shit, man, 
I've been in the court before, so you better watch me and let me pull your coat about how to act in front of the judge and those other white people. But if I had said that, he would have kicked my ass. I just had a real bad feeling that I was going to get fucked over in the court worse than ever before. This was the first time I was going to court and didn't have to worry about the judge sending me away. I wouldn't have felt that I owed the court that day if dad haven't acted so goddamn scary. He kept saying we were going to get a lot of money from the bus company if I had the right things and acted the way he told me. The two dad said we were bound to get a lot of money. We had a good Jewish lawyer from way downtown, but I knew damn well we were going to need a lot more than that good Jewish lawyer that morning. When we got to court, the lawyer was already there. He spoke to Dad, and Dad yes, served him all over the place, kept looking kind of scared and tired to make the man think he knew what he was talking about. When the lawyer came to me and said, Hello, Claude, how are you? And shook my hand and smiled. I had a feeling that God had been kicked right out of heaven, and the meek were lost. And when he started talking to me, not really, really into me, just saying the stupid things that white people say, the little colored boys... With a smile on their face and the little colored boys are supposed to, on their side, we weren't even people to him. So how the hell were we going to fight our fight? I wanted to ask Dad why we went to got this guy, but I know why. He thought all Jews were smart. We could have gotten all the shit right out of his head. Anybody could see that the kid wasn't so smart. Now he was just lucky. Lucky that he, the world had dumb niggers like Dad in it. This book is so crazy, man. It has the N-word like a million times in it. I got it from Nipsey Hupsel's uh, book list. It's called Man, Child, and a Promised Land by Claude Brown. And I'm going to finish it alone without you guys, but I just wanted to share a little piece with y'all. Thank you. <clears throat> Kept cussing at her, telling her, what a stinking dirty funky bitch she was. The chick just kept on crying and the other cat started busting in the doorway. John snatched her up out the bed and took her out the door and upstairs to the roof. Everybody followed without being told. We all knew that this meant she must really have really made him mad because he beat her ass. Johnny didn't beat chicks unless they'd done something really bad or made him mad. And Clara was one of his favorite women. We got up on the roof she started hollering johnny please johnny please don't he just left her out there with us and walked she called kid and said kid please kid i thought you were a friend of mine and cats kept pushing in on her before i knew anything somebody was reaching over me and snatching her clothes off i think i was about the third one <clears throat> was anything as great as i thought it was going to be i just didn't enjoy it as much i thought i would but any Way the dream came true, and I think it probably came true for a lot of other cats that same night, too. A lot of people had their first white girl that night. Just about everybody in the building after that, I was pretty sure that white girls weren't anything different. Bitches were bitches. It was Johnny's policy to never give a bitch a second chance. She couldn't afford to do that. If you have enough of them, you don't have to be giving out second chances. Johnny used to tell us that you have to be creative and new in a bed and do things to chicks that, that have never had been done to them before. That was the only way you were going to stand out with a chick. 
especially if she was a bitch who'd been around a whole lot and been in bed with a whole lot of niggas. It's at the ER, but I ain't gonna say it. <laughs> Johnny used to say that the worst thing in the world any cat could be was horny. A horny cat was lost, he used to say. I remember one time he told us the lowest thing a man could do was beg a bitch for her body. I had never begged any of them, but I didn't know just how much truth there was in what Johnny was saying. I had heard begging and by some cats I really respected too, but I thought that if you were hip enough like Johnny, you never had to beg. So I listened, I listened to all that stuff he used to tell us about how to pull bitches, how to make them do what you wanted them to do and how to keep them yours forever. I used to think he's making it a point to screw all the good-looking bitches in the neighborhood. There were a few women around the neighborhood that Johnny wanted to jug and didn't jug. Even if they were married, Johnny was getting to every fine bitch in the neighborhood and proving all the things he said to us. It's easy to believe a guy and listen to what he's saying when you see he's doing all the things he's talking about. One time, Johnny saw me fighting in the street, Donald Gordon, from 146th Street, and I were, were going to war long and strong. After it was over, Johnny said, come on up to the roof, Sonny. I want to show you some stuff. So I went up there. I had seen him wa watching me while I was fighting. A whole lot of grown people were around there watching, and I didn't look as good as I wanted to look. It was too long and too hard. Johnny brought some gloves out of the house, and we played around up on the roof. He said, Johnny, I thought you knew something. I thought you learned something up at that place where you were, man. How did those cats let you come out on the street not being able to use your hands any better than that? I always thought I could use my hands pretty good as it was. We put on the gloves, and he said, throw up your hands. I hesitated a while. Then Johnny slapped me with a left glove. Come on, throw up your hands. I'm not going to hurt you, he smiled. So I threw up my hands. He slapped at me again with his left, and I kept trying to fan it away with my right hand. He just kept throwing it in there. He had a real fast hand, and he was hitting me in the face. He just kept on getting faster and faster and faster. I was just getting mad. I couldn't seem to get a good punch on him. After a while, I started getting excited, and I hit him one time on his chin. He shouted, good, good, good. That's it, baby, that's it. I stopped to look. I was wondering what was wrong with him and why he shot it like that. Then all of a sudden, he hit me straight in the face. I was mad. It almost brought tears, but I just went on throwing everything this way and that way. I wasn't even reaching him. It seemed like he was all around me and never in front of me, and yet he was so close. It seemed like he was hitting me 90 times a second. I just couldn't get started. I just got wilder and wilder. He grabbed me with both hands and helped me and said, You see, Sonny, every time you stop, unless you get excited, you don't stay on a cat. It's like if you get in a good punch and you got a cat going, you always slow down instead of, keep it, instead of keeping it on. As if to say that's not that's one now and the only way you're going to really rally or really press a cat is when you get excited. And when you get excited, you can't do a goddamn thing. Man, it's the same way with a bitch. If you're going to pull a bitch, you can get excited and let her know that you want that pussy so bad. You're about to go crazy. You're going to lose your brains through your dick. He said, no. You see, you just never learn to do things without getting excited. Come on. I'm going to show you how to get excited when you do things. And Johnny started showing me how 
not to get excited. He said, I want you to hit me in the face three times. I'll put my left hand behind my back and I'm not gonna hit you. I'm not gonna touch you. You can hit me as hard as you want. First time I hit him, I didn't hit him too hard. And then, and he just looked and smiled. I hit him again and he didn't, and it didn't hit him too hard, but it was harder than the first time. And he smiled at that. I said to myself, yeah, like this is bullshit. He said, go on and hit me as many times as you want. And I kept on hitting him. I hit him kind of hard. And he said, damn man, like cool it. That was enough. He said, look, I'm gonna hit you in your face. I'm gonna slap you with my hand. I'm not going to tell you when, and I'm not going to tell you how many times. If you cry, I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to forget about it. And if you get mad, it's like the whole thing is just lost, and we got to start all over here. I had to go along with it. He hit me. He hit me. He hit me in my face ten times, and each time was harder than a, than a time before. He just slapped me on my one side, and I didn't even know which hand was going to come. He said, remember, don't get excited. Don't get excited. When he slapped me the fifth time, I was ready to cry, but there was no sense in me even thinking about hitting this nigga. He said nigger, but <laughs> because I knew there was something, nothing in this world, even with God on my side, that could have helped me to kick his ass. I just held it back and fought it. After hitting me 10 times, each time harder than the, the times before he stopped, he said, you mad at me, man? No, man, I'm not mad at you. I think it's a whole lot of bullshit. And if you wanted to hit me in my face, you could have told me. He said, uh, uh-huh. So we sat down and he started telling me things about bitches and things I'd like to hear. He took me downstairs and showed me some pictures I haven't seen before. It was pretty nice. He asked me if I wanted to get high. I said, no, I don't want to get high. Then James Fox came in and said that he had his works and that he wanted Johnny to straighten him. Johnny asked me again if I wanted to get high, and I said, no, man, I don't mess with no horse no more. So he said, all right. He said he had to take care of some business and would see me later, and he asked me if I were, if we were still tight. Yeah, man, you know we're, we're all right. Okay, now, Sonny, if I ever see you out there in the street fighting a cat again and not pressing him, not saying, not staying on him every time you throw a punch and not showing this cat with every punch, with every punch that you mean to kick his ass, I'm going to take you up on that roof again. And that time, I'm going to kick your ass. And he winked at me. I said, yeah, all right, man, and walked away. I had cut Tito and Dunny and Turk and Bucky and all the cats who were hanging out <clears throat> out with me and to Johnny, too. We all used to sell him stuff, and we all liked to listen to Johnny when he talked. All of us would do anything for him, but after a while, we wouldn't sell Johnny the stuff we stole because we knew the cat was, the cat was taking us. There were other fences around that we could always get a better deal from, so we stopped doing business with Johnny, and just listened to him. And he used to tell us a whole lot of things that we didn't know about. He told us how to steal furs and what to do with them afterwards, how to steal sever, and how to go downtown to the places where a few Negroes went and steal stuff. Johnny told us how to dress. he tell us things about looking like a delivery boy when you went down on Park Avenue to steal something or looking like a working boy when you went down to the garment center to steal things. He knew a lot about stealing and all kind of, kinds of crime. He knew more about bitches than anything else, and I guess that was his main stick, bitches at the time. 
when I was listening to Johnny, I wanted to try a lot of things that he was telling me about bitches on some of the bitches I knew. Some of the things I was just too scared to try, and some of them I didn't know any chicks out there tried. I was on there was one good chick. This was Jackie. Jackie was a beautiful black bitch, and she had a body on her that made Hollywood glamour girls look undernourished. And Jackie was only 13 years old. I remember the first time I went up to her house, I knew her sister, Trixie. She was a skinny, little, ugly-looking girl when she was in Carol's class in PS90. By the way, I went to PS55 and PS116. Let's put it out there. PS90s in Harlem, probably. Shout out, big. PS90 uh, early. But Trixie had gotten older and she's gotten fresh. She started juggling everybody and just about everybody knew it. She had a reputation as the main young whore on 8th Avenue. Dunny was going with Trixie when I first went up to her house. He took me up there. He's been telling me about her, but he but I'd never been able to place her as the girl Carol used to bring home for lunch sometime because she was real skinny and funny looking then. But it was the same Trixie, and Trixie wasn't so skinny or so funny looking anymore. She had a body on her that was far from funny. Her sister Jackie I'd never seen before. I probably would have paid no attention to her a few years earlier. She probably used to be a funny-looking black girl with nappy hair and knockings. You wouldn't want to do anything but pull on her hair or punch her in the mouth or something like that. But the first time I saw Jackie, I didn't know how I missed it. Jackie was almost as hip as Trixie was, and she was only 13. She started doing things for me. I guess she liked me a lot. A guy used to come up there, but she used to give me stuff and do a lot of crazy things for me. And to me, and when I came up to her house, she never talked to other guys. She always wanted to come around me and play. And if I wanted somebody to get some refresh or something like that, she would always run out and get it. Turk used to always be trying to get some pants from Jackie, but Jackie didn't like him too much. She always told him he couldn't do anything and that he shouldn't take some take some lessons from me about what to do with a girl in bed. That used to make Turk mad, real mad, because Turk was a big cat and I was a little cat. Jackie could always get some money from somebody, so I stayed tight with her. I wanted to stay tight with her, so I didn't treat her too bad. I used to go up there, spend the night. Her mother wouldn't say anything. A lot of cats had come up there to spend the night. It was that kind of place. Jackie was the first girl I tried some of the things with that I learned from Johnny. Just about every time this cat told me something new that you could do with a girl I tried it out on Jackie and if it could work on Jackie I knew what it could do to most of the girls around there Jackie had had a lot of things done to her and she's been to bed with a lot of grown men that's how she got her money she was a big girl but I didn't mind that too much because she was nice She liked me, and I liked her. That's yours. I want mine back. We got along. We were more good friends than anything else. And maybe we just judged because good friends were supposed to do that sort of thing. Anyway, I liked doing it with her, and I guess she liked doing it with me, too, because we just kept doing it. She knew a lot of the older prostitutes in the neighborhood, and I suppose they used to teach her things. She knew a whole
spot. As a matter of fact, she taught me a whole lot of things. She was the first girl who ever put her tongue in my ear, and I couldn't take that feeling for a long time. It took me about two weeks to get used to it at first. It seemed kind of dirty for someone to be putting her tongue in your ear, but after a while, it just felt good. If you are a cat who couldn't come into Jackie and make one of those sisters just forget about whatever she was doing and give all her attention to you, you were somebody it made cats who didn't know you wonder about you and who you were and made the cats from downtown respect you right away. It had a whole lot of advantages being good friends with Jackie. I guess she had her advantages too because I was known every place and respected in most. When she went to school and told the other girls that she was my girl, it made her somebody. Most of the people in the neighborhood knew that I'd been in trouble most of my life and that I'd been in what they thought was a reform school. They thought I was a bad cat. People who didn't even know me had heard about me and they had a whole lot of respect for me. If Jackie could tell people she was my girl, they would respect her too. Everybody but Sugar, she should never have told Sugar. Sugar used to call Jackie the black Spanish girl. I think she called her that one time because she had some big earring on. She got all her friends to school to call Jackie the black senorita and to tease her about the way she dressed. Jackie couldn't dress as well as Sugar because Jackie's mother didn't care about her. Sugar was an only child, although there were a couple of cousins living in the house with her. Her mother cared about her a lot, about how she dressed, what she ate, and whether she did well in school. Sugar could afford to look down on Jackie since Jackie's mother didn't give a damn whether she even went to school. Half the time, she was just lying around the school with some guy and didn't know whether the kids were alive or dead, full of starving. She didn't care. I used to feel sorry for Jackie, and I used to tell Sugar I was going to kick, probably kick her ass. Her ass, (laughs) she kept messing with Jackie, but Sugar didn't believe it. She knew I'll never bother her for Jackie. I guess she would have been real surprised if I had. I would have too, because Sugar had become somebody close to me. I liked her a whole lot. I wasn't talking about love or anything that to her, and I never would say anything that would give her any idea that I was in love with her. But if she came around the house, I wouldn't mistreat her. I don't know what it was, but she meant something to me a whole lot. So I just let her give Jackie a hard time. I think after a while, Jackie just learned to fight. That's the only way she could stop those girls from calling her those names and talking about her. She started dressing. She started letting Trixie buy her clothes, and she started trying to imitate Trixie and look the way she did. When she really put her mind to it, she looked real good. I didn't mind her telling people she was my girlfriend. All the time, we had been just stealing and messing around with Trixie and other bitches who were fast like that. After a while, we met a whole lot of them all over Harlem, just like that. They wanted to do some of everything. I stopped seeing Danny, Butch, and Kid. I started concentrating on my new friends and the new things we were doing, and that went on just fine for a long time. But one day, we got busted stealing. We were breaking into an A&P, and the cops ran upon us and caught everybody. 
and ran up on the roof and that crazy alley bush was running in front of everybody and falling down and blocking the staircase so nobody could get up. A cop was down at the bottom yelling, stop, stop, I'll shoot niggas. We're climbing all over one another, trying not to be the last one out in case the cop shot. Allie Bush was lying down, hollering, he gonna shoot me, he gonna shoot me. Everybody just ran right over the cat and paid him no mind. I went over the roof and down a staircase two buildings away at the bottom. I saw the cops, so I ran behind the steps and started pissing like I had just gone in there to take a leak. But the white cop said, come on, fella, and snatched me by my shoulder. Come on, let's go. I said, man, what's wrong with you? Other people piss in the hallway. The cop said, come on, don't be a wise guy now. You took me out and threw me in one of the cars. Everybody.